0: What's up, freaks? hope you're having a great (laughs) day. Don't laugh at me, Logan. I hope you're having a great day out there. That was take two, and I fucked it up. On the second take as well. It's a beautiful, productive Monday morning here at TFTC Studios. We had a 9 a.m. rip. Sat down with Charles Mayfield from Farrow Farms in Tennessee. Get some product placement here if you go to pharaoh.life they have these lard based skincare products i'm wearing some on my face right now it looks beautiful feels beautiful very fascinating conversation dive into how to make skincare products from lard if it's better than traditional skincare products now like as i'm saying this is like a oh, are we cosme- cosmetology cosmetology Cosmetic? Are we cosmetic? Podcast now? No. This really ties into like regenerative farming. Knows the tail. Use all the animal. Common sense practices that our ancestors followed. Unbeknownst to them. Very interesting episode. We dive into the science. We get into the science. The good science. Is there good science? I don't know we got to read the boostograms from the last two episodes because we recorded those back-to-back uh, on the same day. And obviously we posted one, there wasn't enough time. So RIP, 388 op vault in Bitcoin governance with James O'Burn. First boost from at Mr. Mr. MRMR, 9,674 sats. Some great insights into quote-unquote life as a Bitcoin dev. The idea of any covenant in Bitcoin has always concerned me, but like the guest said, we've already got multi-sig. Thanks for another great rep. Thank you, Mr. 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 So if his name's Mr. Mr., do you say Mr. Mr. Mr.? Who knows? At Mark, a boob boost, 8,008 sats. It says boob and it's a palindrome. It's beautiful. It's pronounced de-nigrate. Also great rep. Go Vault. Sorry, Mark. I'm saying denigrate. It's denigrate, denigrate. It's denigrate. If you've been listening for years, you know I'm working on it, I'm trying to get better. At Vic, two thousand sats, no message. Shout out to you, Vic. Love you. At Bottom Shelf BTC, seven hundred seventy nine sats. Palindrome boost. Nice to hear. Somber, realistic take, acknowledging challenges within governance of a leaderless project. I agree. If you freaks haven't listened to the episode with James, obviously we talk about op vault, but the second half of the conversation was a very fascinating dive into the state of Bitcoin development. I don't want to say politics of merging code and Bitcoin core, but the dynamics at play, social dynamics. Very interesting. RIP 389, hydroelectric Bitcoin mining is changing lives in Congo's National Park with Adam Popescu at sats underscore mcduck 50,000 sats good shit uncle marty love the signal thank you sats mcduck appreciate the boost at blockchain bug 5,000 sats great work wonder how this place will develop after 10 years of mining i do too will be really interesting to see at cryo sats 2,000 sats stay humble and stack sats and at Mister Mister s-h-s-s what does that mean logan Stay humble, stack sats. That's right, sir. Keeping you on your toes. Those are the top four boosts from RIPs, 388, 389. If you guys are getting value out of the show, I think you're getting a lot of value out of this episode. With Charles, please participate in the Value for Value model. Set them back. Apps like Fountain, Breeze, Podverse. You can do it on Albi now on your desktop. You can support the show. Let's get on the top Top ten. Top five. Let's break the top five on Fallon this week with this episode right here. It was brought to you by good friends at River. Reverse. here. It's a Bitcoin company built by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners. It's the best way to DCA into Bitcoin. If you set up your DCA on River, there's no fees. You can set it and forget it. You can do it different timescales, whatever you're comfortable with of that they've built their own infrastructure they're not leveraging any third parties like prime trust they've actually built their wild infrastructure and they own the infrastructure of their exchange they're not leveraging any third parties if you hold your bitcoin on river which they don't recommend they recommend that you guys uh, st- like take control of your bitcoin and self-custody your bitcoin but if they have to hold it you can know that your bitcoin on that exchange is 100 reserved and it's locked up in cold storage multi-sig two or three multi-sig up. Actually, I don't know the particular core, but it's locked up in multi-sig. It's secure. They've built it. They've built libraries. They have mining as well. And they've have a hosted mining service and they're rolling out River Lightning Services, which is an API that engineers for building on top of the lightning network. and You want to leverage an API to help you build quicker. River has an API for you. So if you haven't already, for using another exchange, maybe another Bitcoin company to get your Bitcoin, try River. It's buy Bitcoiners, for Bitcoiners. They're doing it the right way. They've got focus. They've got execution. That's where I buy my Bitcoin. Go to river.com slash tftc. This trip was also brought to you by good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is here to help you eliminate single points of failure in your custody. They have a two-is-free multi-sig vault which allows you to hold your Bitcoin and have full control over your Bitcoin while also having a collaborative custody partner in Unchained. Uh, They have a concierge team that will get you set up on this. So you go to unchained.com slash concierge, connect with their team, set up a consultation. They'll get you comfortable with multi-sig. They'll get you comfortable with the vault setup. teach you how it works. They'll send you hardware wallets, help you get those set up and backed up (laughs) and geographically distributed. To eliminate that single point of failure risk. And then they'll set up the vault. You hold two keys, so we always have control in the two or three multi sig quorum. As long as you have those two keys, you can move the Bitcoin. Uh, If you're ever in a pinch, you only have one, unchained's there. They can be the second two or three multi sig quorum. If you're an individual, a high net worth individual, somebody running a Bitcoin company or just a regular company that wants to hold a Bitcoin treasury and wants to do it the right way, you need business services, unchained is there. Go to unchained.com slash concierge, use the code TFTC for $50 off, and enjoy this rip with Charles Decay. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts. All,
1: all the central banks going nuts.
0: So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor.
1: I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. The house with the sauna. Dope. So they got a heated sauna, like the steam sauna, and that's next to the salt pool. Which is in front of the pickleball court. I played pickleball for the first time yesterday. How was it? I've never played pickleball. I'm addicted. And it seems like an addicting sport. I played a little tennis growing up. Uh, Love ping pong, and it, it, it just sits firmly right in the in between those two. So you're saying the Meat Mafia guys have the best basketball pad in, in the Austin area? I, for now, um, you know they're 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 uh, tenants. <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I'll I'll be there tonight. We've got this is my last night in in the Central Texas Austin area. And you've and been here, here for a while. God Lord, yeah. Got here a week ago. Tomorrow. Yeah. So, where are you from originally? Uh, East Tennessee, little town called Athens, that is uh, halfway between Knoxville and Chattanooga. Most people know those two cities. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, we're doing a lot of Bitcoin mining
0: up in. Northern Tennessee by Paul Mall.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, power's, you know, pretty efficient in East Tennessee. We got TVA, a lot of nuclear energy produced, and um, I, I would imagine, yeah. I've been to Bit- Bitcoin Park over in Nashville a couple times. It's an incredible place. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, it's, an, it's a neat spot. Um, Matt and crew have done a great job. Are you, you involved with that? Yeah. Uh,
0: not directly, tangentially. Yeah, sure. I go. I was there two weeks ago now. Okay. At their mining and energy summit, participating. I was there the month before. I forget what that was about. That the focus of that event, but yeah, I've been to Tennis or Bitcoin Park like three times in the last five months. So. Yeah,
1: it's a it's a sweet setup. I I uh I was I met Slim over there. They did one of those micro summits.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what I was there in yeah. December. Okay, they did uh, another micro
1: summit there. We'll oh, nice! Have. Nice. Yeah, it's a it's a neat spot, and that's where we first met was in Kerrville. We met in Kerrville. That's right. Yeah. Oh, coming up on a year. When did he? When? When? When was that? June of last year?
0: Kind of in June because I would have been in Jersey, so it was like I think it would have been like
1: maybe earlier.
0: Yeah, a little bit earlier. May.
1: Yeah, because the Colorado deal he put together was July. July, and then Georgia was september Mm -hmm. so yeah and we were on a panel together well i was moderating the panel yeah just just trying to keep you and and slim going (laughs) Uh, that was fun that was good to meet you that was a that was a drinking from the fire hose kind of day for for me for sure mary Kerr was there trying to think of who else um uh Uh, Song Tommy uh, Jimmy Song Jimmy Song Jimmy Song was there He's a cool dude to meet He is Um, He's
0: doing a cool thing right now He's traveling the globe With his family Is he? Yeah Where are are they now? I don't know where they are Exactly I think they might be Somewhere in the Middle East But um, No it's funny I saw them on the first leg Of their trip For the uh, Their leg started At the Riga Bitcoin uh, the Baltic Honey Badger Conference, and I was on the same flight as them from New York to Riga, and it was hilarious seeing him and his wife and their six children home alone through the airport <laughs> to make the flight. Six kids, wow. Goals. Good for him. So, I mean, the reason we're here, we're here to talk about what you're doing, which is something scares some people. It scared my wife, I'm not going to lie. Oh, fair enough. So I'm yeah. going to, come I, back with a bunch of skincare products that are made from, um,
1: from pig lard. Well, we don't have a bunch of products, but you don't need a bunch when they work really good.
0: Yeah. So how'd you get into this? What do you do? I guess I'm sitting down with Charles Mayfield from Faro. Faro. Farrow, Farrow, Faro, 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 Faro. Yeah. It's the Northeast.
1: Uh, it's all good, dude. It's the Northeast accent coming out. I appreciate it. Uh, how'd you get into this? And, uh, the the short version of the long story is, uh, I made a transition from uh, fitness, health, and fitness in a gym to promoting health and fitness through food, and that attracted me to farming. And then I had the shit. Can we can we curse on this? Yes. Show? Yes. My apologies. Um, I got a really bad sunburn in 2019 um having you know a a decade plus experience in sort of health nutrition and um and seeing people make dietary changes and 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 have physical changes manifest lose weight this goes away you know various we we were talking about you know certain skin conditions this morning before we hopped on and so anyway i had this experience of um being experimental and also, really paying attention to the um, to what happens, and so yeah, I got really, really sunburned, Marty, and I uh, came home. My, my now ex and I were going through our divorce, so um, sort of house is empty. I'm sunburned. I live in a small town, really small town, so all the drugstores are closed. It's you know one of those late nights, and I have you know over a decade experience uh, cooking, healthy cooking, and lifestyle stuff and i had a jar of lard in my refrigerator that i had rendered from my pigs that we raised we raised you know uh, pasture pork beef chicken uh micro on a micro scale but you know probably about 45 50 customers that sort of leaned into us for meat anyway yeah i got a really bad sunburn and in sort of an act of desperation and uh trial and error, I lathered up with this stuff, and a couple of days later, the sunburn was gone. That was really cool, but I never peeled. And that's, you know, you learn to, in your health and nutrition, you sort of, when, when something happens, you, you pause, and you pay attention, you start taking notes. And so, yeah, I watched my skin for probably two or three weeks, thinking at some point, you know, the, the snake's gotta peel. Never happened. So started experimenting with making skincare products out of pastured pig fat. <laughs> and uh here we are, three two and a half, three years later.
0: Wait, so two questions. Number one, how'd you get the sunburn? And number two, this act of desperation to start rubbing lard on you. Was there something that you've heard in the past, like, ah, oh, it's good for your skin, or were you just like, oh, this looks
1: like it would be soothing? Well, so so what was I doing? Uh, we had we started a hemp company in 2019. Uh, in fact, part of our skincare bundle is um, we we use I call it a skincare elixir. So we're sort of highlighting the benefits of CBD ingestion um, as it relates to skin. But we so we were in the middle of the throes of jumping into the um, almost like the gold rush, but the hemp rush of 2019, and uh, we had on. I, Again, I'll never forget the day. On July the 4th, uh, go America. On July 4th, we had planted about 20 acres of hemp. We ended up planting almost 300. But in that day, we got 20 acres in the ground, uh, drip taped, the whole nine yards. So red at a rock. That evening, we flipped the switch on to irrigate it. And the irrigation's not performing and so me and one guy stayed up all night fixing the irrigation otherwise the sun comes up the next day and 20 acres of hemp's dead like it needs a lot of water mm-hmm. early so anyway you know you just you just forget to go back to the house or put sunscreen on or any of that stuff And so i was i was out in the fields for two straight days effectively and um so that's how i got sunburned and then, um, I'm almost forty nine years old, Marty um <clears throat> but I grew up in small town, Tennessee, but we would go to the beach every year. My mom's from Mobile, and I have fond memories of my mom got buying aloe Vera and putting it in the refrigerator mm-hmm. I do as well right, and'cause it cause if you're sunburned, it's cool and so there were a bunch there were a bunch of things that pointed me to. Maybe I should try this pig fat. that's in the in the refrigerator because it's cool and it'll be soothing. And so, um, so yeah. And, and you know, <laughs> at some level, it's kind of intuitive, right? I mean, like I know enough about pigs. Like we train surgeons on pigs. I don't know if you knew that or not. No, I didn't know P- that. Pigs are so genetically similar to human beings that we train our surgeons on them. And, uh, Phil Ovedia, you know, Phil, Dr. Ovadia, he's got a great book. I fix hearts. I know Phil very well. He's a heart surgeon. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've heard of that book. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. Great book. Stay off my operating table is the, is the title of his book. But anyway, I, I've known Phil for a long time. I was on his, I was on his podcast early in, in Pharaoh's journey. And, uh, you know, they're asking about this, asking about that. I was like, Phil, you train you know, he's a heart surgeon. I was like, You train on pigs. It's like, actually, I used the the valve from a pig heart two weeks ago to repair the valve in a human heart. So the biology there is so aligned. Yeah, this is uh might make people a bit queasy, but my brother
0: uh played college lacrosse and he once wants- Took a, a very hard shot to the nether regions mm. and had to get a surgery down there. And now he's part pig. Oh, nice! Yeah, uh, they sewed up one of his uh,
1: one of his guys with some pigskin. That that again. That um, my condolences and <laughs> and, uh, and they still work. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, um so th- yeah. The point is, uh, pigs are pigs are four-legged humans in, in many, many respects. So if you raise a healthy, happy, I've been cooking with lard for a number of years. You know, again, this is the, this is the background in sort of paleolithic nutrition, things of that nature. So there were a lot of signs pointing to why, why wouldn't you try it? I, um, you ever hunted, been hunting? I'm, uh, embarrassed to say no. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I grew up hunting and uh, the, you know, again, you think about all the things that sort of go through your head that point you towards a jar of lard in your refrigerator. You know, if you've ever, um, uh, gutted and cleaned a deer after you've hunted, you know, if you don't have gloves on, which, why would you wear gloves? You're covered in like this sinewy subcutaneous fat because of skinning the animal out. You know, we've all got this fat. And so there were a lot of signs that sort of pointed me towards give it a whirl and, I mean, hell, it worked, so. And you made a whole company out. Well, yeah, so that was in 19. It took about two years, so it's funny. So, yeah, we say it, Pharaoh, the lard works in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I you know, had this little epiphany, and this I didn't peel, and so what do you do? You go to the Internet machine, and how do I make cream out of fat? And so early, a lot of the early stuff we did was, for for your listeners that don't know, go to any drugstore and buy any any cream off the shelf first ingredients water then there's another 40 ingredients um, of which will include a fat and it will include an emulsifier because you have to bind the water to the to the you know oil and water don't want to mix so you got to emulsify them and so you know again I had this epiphany moment so for I've probably spent already six months in my kitchen. Emulsifying lard with water. I'd use beeswax. I used a couple of different emulsifiers. Just tinkering. That's. I spent my entire childhood in my dad's workshop and my mom's kitchen, so I'm really at home and happy when my hands are busy. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I was just playing around, playing around. I could never keep the early creams from from not going rancid you know i'd make I'd, I'd make this lusciously amazing cream and 5 6 days later it's full of mold and bacteria so add antimicrobial essential oils add this add that still couldn't keep them shelf stable put them in the fridge and uh it finally occurred to me two things occurred to me one is i'm i'm not a chemist and i really <laughs> I don't. I've got this 10 year, 15 year background in telling people if you can't pronounce the name of it, don't eat it. Mm -hmm. So, again, looking at these labels, like, I don't want to research which paraben based, you know, preservatives. So, um, the light bulb went off again. You know, it's the water that's feeding the mold and bacteria. Get rid of the water. So, at that point, um, kicked the water out, brought in some beef tallow for your listeners that don't know that. So the all natural skincare market, which is still just a a fraction of a fraction of the, of the overall skincare industry is dominated by beef tallow. Mm -hmm. Um, So beef tallow is the rendered kidney fat from, from, from a cow or steer or bull. And I love tallow. We use tallow in our products at room temperature. Tallow is hard. It's, it's very balmy. And so at room temperature lard is very creamy. And so you I know you've opened sort of the stuff I brought you today, but so I, I kicked the water out and brought some tallow in and started playing with like the ratios because people like a creamy. Mm-hmm. Um uh they like cream. And so uh so yeah, started uh kick the water. You've cooked bacon before, right?
0: Yes, sir. Yeah.
1: What do you do when you Finish cooking the bacon. You take the drippings and you pour them in a cup. Yeah, we have a nice uh, copper cup that we Cu- pour. Oh, big time! That we pour our uh, our bacon grease into bacon it. grease into, and then it can sit there right? right for weeks, months, and not go bad. There's no water in there; it's just fat. Yeah, we let it build up. Oh yeah, actually, the best part you let it build up, and then you've got like this layer layered effect of like, well, here's the bacon drippings from. A Month ago, and here's last week, and here's this morning. So, um, our products don't smell like bacon, no, that unscented, they're unscented. Um, we have a scented product, but, um, uh, but yeah, so I, I, I don't, where do we start here with this last question? Why you put,
0: why you decide to put lard on you?
1: Oh, yeah, well, it works, yeah.
0: Well, and if you go to your site, faro.com life yep yep um it seems like there's a lot of science behind it too i mean we talked about like the pig uh being very similar to human body surgeons practice on pigs heart valves testicle encasings whatever it may be Mm -hmm. and that's one thing you say the skin of a pig is most like that's human skin is most similar if you're looking at another
1: animal to pig skin yes so pigs metabolize vitamins a e and d mechanistically the same way humans do sun exposure and proper diet and you know uh, environment and they store those vitamins in their subcutaneous fat which is where we render for lard and um yeah it's on on many in many respects it's hyper intuitive what i'm doing and in, at the same time everyone's like what the hell man <laughs> you want me to put what on my face so um Yeah, it's, um, pigs are an amazing animal. I've spent a little over six years in the regenerative, uh, farming side of the house. You know, pharaoh really represents a, a a convergence of healthy eating lifestyle, healthy farming lifestyle. Um, I would even add into that sort of anti, um, preservative chemical, Mm -hmm. um, so all of that sort of converges and, uh, and the products are amazing. So we I've been in town, in, in town for the, we just wrapped up the John Bush's live free Academy thing. Um, so I was presenting there. I'm hanging out with you today and, uh, back home tomorrow, but, uh, I've been spreading the lard, man, just that's, well, why, that's why we're here.
0: It seems very important because you mentioned like it, as a nutritionist you recommend don't eat anything you can't pronounce and similarly like I th- that's one thing i think i become more attuned to like probably the last five years because uh, i go to the beach every summer spend three months there from memorial day to labor day i'm a pale irishman uh, hmm. who does not react well to the sun get uh, similar to that, i get a base burn like call my base burn every year yep like early June, I peel, get a bad sunburn. I don't like to put sunscreen on, even though my family, it's been beating into us. You got to do it. You're going to get melanoma if you don't runs in our family. And I've become convinced in the last five years, it's actually the lathering of the sunscreen that is, uh, and all the chemicals involved in it that are probably worse for you. And just figuring out a way to protect your skin in a better way. And one of the big memes right now is like seed oils. If you stop eating seed oils, your skin will uh, not burn as much, if at all. And then now with something like this, you were using lard to sort of cool
1: down your summer. Does it prevent it at all as well? Well, you can you can get in a lot of trouble in my line of work making claims about your uh, products. Okay. But, uh, oh, listen, I had, when we built the website, I had a, products liability attorney review all the copy right Mm -hmm. because you you can say soothes you can't say heals you can say relieves you can't say treats you know it's all this all this uh, vernacular out there um in your experience what has happened what's that in your
0: experience has like have you had a bad maybe that's the question have you had a bad sunburn since
1: well so i guess the original no i have not We have a a, a whole lot of stuff that kind of sort of compounds up into sunburn. Um, Like I I tell, so in your in the example of you, if if you've got a lot of Irish genes, no question, you're you're way more sensitive. I'm I'm I've got a lot of uh, Spanish blood Mm -hmm. in me, and so uh, you know those are two different lineages of sun exposure. Right? Uh, I tell people to generally be smart. Our ancestors, hundreds of years ago, uh, didn't have sunscreen. They were also smart enough to stay the hell out of the sun from eleven thirty in the afternoon until two or three. Mm-hmm. You know they, I'm not saying they weren't working or doing something, but they weren't out for, they certainly weren't out with their shirt off by the pool, right? That's a fairly <laughs> new human phenomenon uh we're We're uh, totally addicted with like the sun and the lifestyle and getting that copper tan. Uh, I get all that, but just people being smarter about about um, staying hydrated, you know. First and foremost, uh, the rule of thumb for your for your listeners out there is: if your shadow is taller than you are, say it another way: if your shadow is shorter than you are, then that you are uh, at a time of day and a place on the earth where you can get sunburn.
0: I've never heard that one. Yeah, like it's, that. it's a
1: good rule of thumb. Because, you know, you're not always... The sun's not always going to burn you if it's low enough in the sky. Like right now, you know, it's winter here. Uh, the sun really never gets high enough in the sky for you to get the the intensity required to give you a sunburn. And so that's that's some helpful information. If your shadow is shorter than you are, then you are in sunburn eligibility zone. Um, I, I don't use sunscreen anymore. Uh they're made with seed oils, they're made with preservatives. Uh this is a phenomenon. So the microbiome is another phenomenon we're learning about. Um it's, it's sort of the new frontier, all the little bugs and critters that live on and in our skin. Well, they're there for a reason. We're not necessarily sure the reason, but we've co-evolved with this 5 to 7 pounds of microbiotic creatures uh living in and on our skin. And again, my creams, when I mixed them with water, they would get moldy and grow bacteria. Okay, well if I have to put something in a cream to keep bacteria from growing, and then I spread that same cream on my skin, I'm effectively napalming these microorganisms that live on my skin. You know, why are they there? Well, I don't know, but they're there, and we've been around for a while. why do we why do we have such an increased incidence of skin cancer, melanoma, sunburn uh, in the, in in the same thirty to forty time, year time period where the SPF level on sunscreens has uh, quintupled. Mm-hmm. You know, when I grew up, again, I was spending time at the beach with my with my family. I can still smell it. I can close my eyes and smell the Panama Jack <laughs> banana boat like coconut smelling suntan oil there when I was a kid there was no such thing as sunscreen just oil there was there was number four number six number eight number 10 and number 12 oil and the higher the number the more the protection you had so the darker you wanted your skin my my dad was a number six Panama Jack <laughs> like you know and I can still smell it but so you know that was 30 30 35 years ago and Look look at the you know, the constant upgrades of SPF, sun yeah. protection factor. Yeah, the Irish are like SPF fifty plus. <laughs> I'm sure they are. <laughs> they should be. They should be. But as 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 sunscreen use has gone up, as sun protection factor has gone up, so have the incidence of skincare, uh, skin cancer. That shouldn't be happening. Yeah. So Yeah, that's it's
0: funny because it, it is this like meme in the in the Irish beach going community <laughs> that like you need to put it on you're going to get cancer. Like what well, my, my yeah. grandmother died of melanoma, um, and that, that freaks obviously my family out when they look at all of us. We're like yeah, lather up. She got skin cancer for being in the sun, going to the beach. It's like ah. For most of my life, I was like yeah, lather up. And now more recently, as I become more attuned to
1: just be smarter (laughs) yeah i mean you know here's some advantages today uh we've got all this tactical lightweight clothing that can block the sun that's what i do the spf shirts oh yeah fishing or just wearing hats and just being smart i mean look you need your 15 minutes of sun exposure every day just like the rest of us um you might only need about 10 or 15 some other people with darker skin you know me for me it's maybe 30 i enjoy a couple hours though Absolutely, right. but enjoy it wisely, yeah. you know, instead of SPF creams, put on a tactical shirt that's lightweight, breathable. You can go in and out of the water. I mean, we've got so many tools at our exposure now, uh, at our disposal, um, to just to uh, allow us to be smarter about our relationship with, with the sun.
0: Yeah. No, not only the sun, just like going back to like I don't want to say vanilla, but like just typical skincare, like everybody rubbing all these Olay potions on themselves. And um, I was telling you, I, I haven't with my eczema. Like I, I really can't wear deodorant because it flares it up. And there's, you look at the back of like Old Spice, and it's same thing. You can't of, read yeah. half the ingredients.
1: All all of them. Yeah, it's if if you're buying it off. The, I mean, so we so we make these creams sort of fresh, like ready to order, and. And, and that I've sort of done the math. We can scale, you know, for, I mean, you know, we'd like to scale our company, but we can, we can, I mean, look around, we've figured logistics out. You can click a button and order from Amazon or uh, Uber Eats or, I mean, you know, like, and like it's there, look at he split. So the logistics side of the house, we've got figured out globally, really. But, you know, so I can make, you can order a, a, a Product from us on Monday, it might not ship till Thursday, but but what you're paying for with with supporting a brand like Pharaoh is, you know, we're going to hand make this, you know, it's going to get to you as as fresh Mm -hmm. as possible. Um, I mean, you can eat our creams. (laughs) This is kind of fun. We have fun with that. You know, this lard, tallow, leaf lard, honey, essential oils in our uh, in our scented. We've got our own little proprietary blend of everything but um you know at the end of the day you, you shouldn't be putting stuff on your skin you wouldn't eat anyway because that's what you're doing your your skin is your second stomach it's your largest organ yeah so, so what's what's happening when you put this stuff on whether it be
0: traditional skin creams or the pharaoh stuff like why should somebody actually
1: use skincare
0: products oh, as great, opposed to not using question. it all
1: yep great question so uh, and, and, you know, again, if anybody asks me, I tell them, make sure you're getting enough water. You know, try to remove uh, the uh, pro-inflammatory uh, foods from your diet. You know, the, the seed oil, you mentioned seed oils o- earlier. Seed oils are highly oxidative. Uh, they they have a really whacked out ratio between omega-6 and omega-3. For your listeners that don't know, omega-3 is the anti-inflammatory fatty acid omega-6 is the pro-inflammatory you don't get one without the other they come in tandem however the 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 more stressed an animal is or the more refined uh uh, various seed or plant-based oils are then you 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 have a huge ratio um wild-caught salmon which is you know in the in the food world is propped up as a highly nutritious form of of fat uh, has a great ratio of omega six to omega three fatty acids. Pasture raised, regeneratively raised beef has a much better ratio than the industrial uh, feedlot raised um, beef, just because again the stresses that that the feedlot can put on the animal, among other factors. But yeah, we wanna we wanna keep uh, omega three as high as possible and omega six as low as possible. And if you're not using skincare, does
0: that ratio get out of whack?
1: Well, so f- so the skincare industry. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another one of the intuitive beauties of of our product. The skincare industry is a relatively new creation. Um, I would I would make the argument that two hundred years ago, we'll just go back two hundred years. Which what do you figure is that four generations, five generations mm-hmm. tops? Okay, so. Um, 200 years ago, 99.9% of the people that inhabited this planet on a weekly, certainly monthly basis, uh, certainly if they were an adult, uh, had their hands, uh, elbow deep in the carcass of an animal (laughs) on a weekly, monthly basis, because somebody go out and hunt and gather, Mm -hmm. someone would bring it home and have to skin it. And prepare it for consumption, and, and, and you know you can go back thousands of years. This has been happening for thousands of years, but but certainly two hundred years ago, and this is pre refrigeration. Um, you know, you, you had to get that meat prepared quickly and cooked quickly, or salted and cured quickly, and so yeah, everybody was. Elbows deep in uh, in yeah. animal fat, yeah. yeah. On a con- except the elitist of the elite of the elite. Uh, I was, you know, again at this conference here that this past weekend, and I, there was probably four hundred people there. And that same question, feeling the same question, I was like, two hundred years ago, three hundred and ninety nine of the four hundred people that are in this room would have had their their hands cut, they're covered in animal fat, and then we cooked with it. I mean, if you think about all the situations where our skin 200 years ago came in contact with animal fat, we didn't have sunscreens 200 years ago. If it was 1230 in the afternoon, Marty, 200 years ago, uh, if you were outside, you had a hat on, you were fully, cl- like, long sleeves, you know, working out in the fields or working in the garden or working in the woods, um, you know, th- it's a it's a fairly new concept of like taking half your clothes off and hanging out by a swimming pool but the point is the skincare industry has evolved and its its need has has increased because fewer and fewer people come in contact with animal fat on a regular basis Ah, this gets back to like the microbiome living on on your skin so this, okay, so the skincare world is dominated by three things. First and foremost, water. And again, I will challenge any one of your listeners, going to any drugstore, anywhere in the country, there is not a shelf, there's not a product on the shelf that's first ingredient is not water. Unless it's a oil-based serum that's, you know, but, but your deodorants, your, your shampoos, your any, any skincare cream, medicated and not, if it's a cream, the first ingredients water mm-hmm. okay then on the other end of that is an oil so you got water and oil and if you're in the skincare industry the oils that they're using are the cheapest nastiest in some cases the 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 most widely available unusable derivative from the petroleum industry you know and then in the middle of all that are all these chemicals that um that so so it's water it's seed oil plant oil based fats and then in the middle are all these chemicals that that uh preserve and bind them yeah bind them and preserve them and you know we don't we don't really know what some of these endocrine disrupting parabens is is one that comes under uh constant scrutiny and should we we don't know the impact long term of of these compounds on our skin, um, the consumer protection side of skincare, the foundation for that started in 1938. It's called the food and cosmetics act. And this is sort of the precursor to the FDA and a lot of other stuff. But so in 1938, they came out with this legislation sort of governing consumer protection. And at the time, the only ingredients in skincare that required Pre-market testing for safety or color additives. Now this is 1938, mm-hmm. right? So we're getting pretty good at making diesel gas and pulling it out of the ground and all that. But from a from a from a consumer derivative product, petroleum industry, we're in our infant stages, right? So, but that's the that's the preeminent act governing consumer protection for skincare. They updated the act in nineteen seventy four, excluded cosmetics from the act,
0: mm.
1: right? So, so the legislation on the books governing consumer protection in the skincare industry was written in nineteen thirty eight. Excludes or includes color additives as the only requirement for pre market testing, All right? And so, think about what we've been able to do technologically speaking, with all these hexanes and gas-derived things in terms of all the stuff we can turn gasoline into, mm-hmm. right? These mics, everything. 90% of the room we're sitting in is, 100% of the room we're sitting in is petroleum-derived because yes. you're you're burning it to mine something or whatever the case may be. I mean, the carbon, society we live in this, i get a little out of sorts with the environmentalists sometime with like this zero carbon neutral footprint i'm like listen that's that's crazy it's not possible let's let's just get really efficient at using these amazing assets we have because so, solar power is is only going to get us so far and it's awesome and we should pursue it. Nuclear power is amazing. Yes. Um, you know, if you follow the work of like a Robert Lomberg or any of these sort of global economies based smart people that can look at the climate and look at carbon and look at and, and look at population, you know, like what what are the real issues we're facing today. Um I'm getting a little tangentially off, off track here, I feel like, but
0: no but I think what you're getting to is like the conflation of carbon production with pollution and you should really focus on the pollution and being as efficient as possible
1: well yeah and, and waste
0: it's and... <laughs> a good thing that the, the environment is, environmentalists is do is they conflate it they say if you come out and you're like no I think hydrocarbons are good but we should be efficient with it yeah like I'm a, I'm a pro fossil fuel fuels guy that hates Pollution and waste. I like to consider myself an environmentalist, but if I
1: mention that I'm pro fossil fuel, and I can't be an environmentalist. You have to be pro fossil fuel if you're pro human, right? And, and and you know it's it's like um well, this drives me nuts. The um, y- you have to be pro fossil fuel if you're pro human. We have an obligation to be as efficient. And, and, and smart with these amazing gifts we've been given. I, I like to look at the, so I'm, I'm in the farming world, you know, and, uh, I don't know if you've read, um, sacred cows, a good book for your listener, uh, Rob Wolf and Diana Rogers sort of cover cows get a lot of flack. Okay. They're, they're ruining the environment. According to, um, people, some people they're ruining the environment because they burp and fart <laughs> right? And that emits methane into the air. And I listen, we're, we're, we live in a day and age now where we're, um, addicted to air quotes, the science, right? Well, let me, let me give you, uh, everyone in the, in the audience, a science lesson. Uh, science is amazing. And if you reduce a complicated process or system to a fraction of its cycle and use science to analyze a piece of that um, you're not you're not being honest with the science or your audience and so cows emit methane and if you follow that methane across a 10-year cycle it goes up into the atmosphere and eventually turns into water and that is a that is a closed loop system that takes of roughly 10 years to happen well if you analyze the first Two months of that 10 year closed loop system, all you're talking about is emissions from a cow. Not this is part of a 10 year life cycle of this animal building and enhancing the atmosphere.
0: Yeah. And not only the atmosphere, but even the soil on the ground. Like the regenerative farming movement has really highlighted the the benefit of grazing cattle and their ability to, to re green areas. Um,
1: the, the deepest richest soils in our country that we've about mined down to nothing, uh, is in the corn belt. This is the Iowa, Nebraska. If you look at where we grow all of our crops, um, you're talking about soil that was built over millennia by herding bison followed by migratory birds. And so if I could summarize what we try to do with regenerative farming, it's just mimicking a system like that, which is um, short, high-intense grazing periods, uh, followed by long periods of rest, right? And so that's a lot of what uh, the holistic land management ethos of like an Allen Savory or the... um, regenerative farming ethos of like a white oak pastures or polyphase, what they're trying to do is, is mimic and also leverage, leverage natural systems. So in a natural system, you've got predators, right? The wolves, the, the bears, that's, that's what keeps herding animals together tight and also moves them, pushes them around so now we have modern lightweight polywire fencing and portable electric energizers and all these so we effectively become the predator the gas pedal and the brake for these animals and the coolest part about that is <clears throat> this is a situation where you take a natural system and enhance it like enhance the efficiency mother nature is very efficient hey less investment and
0: like- that's right heavy industrial um like machines that are necessary like the the white oaks um who runs that his name's will harris will harris yeah i mean his rogan episode where they like they show how his regenerative farming affects the water system compared oh, to the
1: farms yes. like adjacent to them. So the 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 most compelling story about White Oak. So you're familiar with some of these uh, plant-based meat companies, right? And they claim like zero carbon emission blah 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 or uh, carbon emissions. And so the huh, So there's an independent third-party lab that did the carbon emissions uh, program test, analysis for beyond beyond meat beyond burger whatever. And I, and I may be getting this wrong, but one of these plant-based meat companies that can, claims you know carbon neutral. well so will Harris had that same third party lab come down. I think they spent like six or eight months at White Oak measuring how much carbon was either emitted or sequestered from his beef, right? And what did they learn? They learned that every pound of beef that rolls off the off the shelf at, at White Oak is actually a net carbon sequester. Huh. So, so they're net-net putting more carbon back in the soil. So for your listeners, you know, we've got carbon dioxide in, in the air, and plants breathe carbon dioxide and turn that into – you know photosynthesis; they bring all that together and turn it into grass. And so, you know, cows come by and mow the grass. And when they mow the grass, they move on, but that grass has to regrow. And so, um, if you think about like a, a pasture for your listeners, so let's say you've got pe- people associate it with like their their lawns, but when we say grasses, we're talking about feet mm-hmm. of of pastured grass. So imagine like uh, 3 feet of grass above the ground well there's also 3 feet of grass below the ground it's all these roots and, and which are which are carbon right that's carbon that's been pulled out of the air turned into roots and stretch and stretch and stretch so when that cow comes along and takes that 3 foot plant and turns it into a 1 foot plant mows it well here's what happens so Plants want symbiosis. They want homeostasis. And so a plant that's gone from three feet to, to one foot will now lop off the roots under the ground. It will take that carbon, that living, and it will store it. It will, it will get rid of it. It will shuck it off because it has to reestablish equilibrium. There's only a foot of biomass above the ground. I need to, I need to shuck off. Otherwise, I'm out of amount balance. Amount That's right. Amount I, have dry to, dry. I have to. I have to. have to come back into balance. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, the plants are so smart, and so and so. Then what does it do? Well, I I got to grow again. And so then it pulls more carbon out of the air, and builds more roots. And you just rinse and repeat that. So technology, <clears throat> excuse me, allows us to take a natural system like herding bison and migratory birds, and ramp that stack that up more and more and more like we can we can control the rest that this little spot of land gets and if we have a lot of rain we get we can put the cows back on it faster if it's drier let it rest a little bit but you you get to evaluate and play puppeteer to how fast can you we, we regenerate and build topsoil
0: yeah and then the positive externalities from treating that soil correctly, doing it the way it's been done for millennia, like again, going back to like the water, like it acts as a natural filtration system for water systems as well, where- Absolutely. Places like Iowa, Nebraska, where you're completely decimating the soil. Not only do you have bad soil, but you probably have bad water as well, because it's not being filtered as much and-
1: There's a bunch of published data out there that we we'll run out of topsoil. I think the year is twenty sixty. So that's like less than a generation from now. And if we run out of topsoil, we're, we're done. Sorry. You're done. So we've got I forget how many uh cubic tons of topsoil that washes you know, washes down the Mississippi into the Gulf of Mexico every year. We've killed We've killed uh, effectively a a swath of the Gulf of Mexico the size of Rhode Island with all of the runoff pesticides and herbicides and fungicides. Um, Well, you know, again, there's a lot of synergy between the lack of consumer protection and complete missing the boat between farming. Uh, Glyphosate, that's the one that gets all the press, you know, this roundup ready glyphosate. Okay, so glyphosate is the active ingredient In Roundup, it's 51% of the recipe, okay? And when they ran the test to see if this was safe for humans, they only tested glyphosate, not the the concoction that is Roundup. They tested glyphosate. They do the same thing with vaccines. They they test the standalone, you know. Anyway. Not really uh, indexing for the combination of... Okay. They, they don't count for that. And um, f- what, what does glyphosate, what does Roundup do? Kills weeds? Kills plants, not just weeds. It, it's, it's like napalm. It kills almost anything that's photosynthetically inclined, we'll say. Okay, so one of the early conclusions they drew is because humans don't metabolize energy through photosynthesis... We're blocking this photosynthetic uh, system, mm-hmm. right? That's what kills the plant. So we'll, he, humans don't do that. So it's it's intuitively safe for humans, right? Now we'll do all our tests anyway, but we're just going to test glyphosate. We're not going to test Roundup. But here's here's again, we're at the we're at the precipice of this from a scientists and pointing attention towards it. But all those little bugs, again, that live on and in our skin, um, that's exactly how they metabolize energy and and thrive. You know, they have a photosynthetic process that they rely on to survive. Some of them, not all of them. And so again, doesn't hurt humans we forget that humans have this relationship with all these little bugs. Well, well it's
0: like a system, right? I mean, people talk about like the microbiome
1: and the stomach.
0: It's, it's extreme, all the same. It's extremely important. It, it is, I mean, one can make a very strong argument that it is part of the human is these this sort of cooperative uh, collection of, of different
1: species. I don't know, species is the right word or different there's way more DNA that doesn't belong to us living in our bodies than DNA that belongs to us. Yeah. Um yeah, I you know, again, you get back to sort of this it's kind of intuitive, right? So why did they get here? How did they get here? I I, I don't need to answer those questions to tell you that they're here. Yeah, it just is. And they wouldn't be here if there weren't some you know overarching crazy reason why i have a funny uh hypothesis that i've that i've thrown out to uh the folks over at the dark horse podcast i don't know if you're familiar with brett weinstein heather Hying, mm-hmm. love them love them uh evolutionary biologists so i got i got um poison ivy bad case of poison ivy about six seven months ago i'm around that stuff all the time but i had Long story short, I had gotten tick bites, about three or four tick bites over the course of, of about a week and went to see the doctor. I was like, eh, you know, this one's a little red. And so we he prescribed a, a, a fairly aggressive um, antibiotic protocol for me just to make sure Lyme disease didn't happen to rear its ugly head, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm about 10, 12 days into this 21-day prescription. Again, I'm around Poison Abbey all the time never get it and all of a sudden crops up like all over me and so here's i'm taking this antibiotic orally but i've got this microbiome living on my skin protecting me from the sun protecting me we don't know marty but it's there Mm -hmm. and um i had this like epiphany i'm like i wonder if we as a species have co-evolved to live with these bugs. And one, I mean, if you think about like natural occurring in nature, noxious things, there aren't many. I mean, you got rotting, you know, flesh and this, but from a plant standpoint, I mean, there's lots of noxious plants. But um, in terms of just our ability to be in contact with these plants, I'm thinking, well, of course, over hundreds of thousands of years we would have maintained a healthy relationship with something on our skin that helps prevent this oil because that's all it is poison ivy poison oak poison sumac it's an oil from mm-hmm. the plant well, well maybe maybe i removed the, the protective, protective layer yeah. and allow that in i don't know it's and food
0: for thought it's uh it's a very compelling hypothesis because, yeah, that's one that I've I've never had poison ivy before and I'm pretty sure I've come into contact with it. Like my son on the uh, the ladybird trail here in Austin, we walked out quite often and they have signs like poison ivy and my son's about to be three. And oh, that's, he's yeah. at the point where we let him out and like run around and he has no concept of what poison ivy is, so he'll, like run up in the brush. Always like, oh, you're gonna get poison ivy. He never does though. No. Mm, that's good. Yeah. So, because some people are naturally um, averse to, to actually getting it, and other people are more inclined to get it as well.
1: Oh yeah, humans are fun because there's always a spectrum, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know we we spend most of our time on the extremes of every spectrum in terms of that's how we view view the world is uh, is on the extreme. So you either super allergic or you don't get it but um well that actually
0: is a good segue into like bringing this back to like regenerative farming and fixing the topsoil uh that's one of the i mean regenerative farming has been a big growing movement over the last five ten years and i think more people are becoming aware of the fact that it is probably an ideal way to steward the land that we're using to feed our local communities. But the one knock is that it's not scalable.
1: Would you say that's true? Well, you know, you gotta, you gotta start defining your terms, right? What does scalable mean? Um, I I would, I would point your listener to the, to the work of the Savory Institute and, and Alan Savory. White Oak Pastures happens to be a Savory hub. And we have, we have this mindset. We have this idea that it's our responsibility to feed the world and that is, bullshit you know the world was doing just fine you know a couple hundred years ago uh and and certainly longer ago but you know when when did it become the south georgia peanut farmer's responsibility to grow peanuts for the entire country or the you know or taiwan or germany you know i i don't i don't buy into any of that um i i do believe that the way that Farms like White Oak Polyface uh, Farm, I do believe it's scalable to a point, uh, but more importantly, it's repeatable. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Microsoft is scalable, but not repeatable. Yep. And you know, one thing, and we're we're living through this now, specifically around our food supply. One thing that you we, we, we've we've uh we've handed the keys to the food production castle to a very few players i mean I think with meat in this country there's four companies five companies that that control eighty five percent of of the meat that we eat and when you do that when you concentrate that much you know the 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 if a cog in the wheel gets screwed up, you know you've got serious problems um we found that out in the last and we years. found that out. Absolutely. So, so, t- you know, take your, take your Will Harris, white Oak pastures as an example, uh, you know, y- you could drop two or three white Oak pastures into every state in the country at, at their scale, at their size, at their ability to serve the consumer, you know, part of white Oak pastures problem. And, and all of the problem is why are, why are they shipping food to California? Mm -hmm. they shouldn't be no you know Uh, and and again i'll just i'll just use them as an example you know they're three hours south of atlanta population good god five six seven ten million depending on where you want to draw the line um white oak's a 22 25 million dollar a year top line revenue company um i i know will and them very well i've known them for years and um i'm not saying anything out of out of sorts. I mean, he's he's talked publicly about this, but but the point is, how in the hell can't why why is he shipping to California when you've got ten million people that live three hours up the road? Right. Right. And so uh, so you take that it's 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 uh, duplicatable, scalable to a point. I don't I don't I can't envision what the next step above like a white oak would be because they've got their own. For your listener that doesn't know, they, so they raise it. Gosh, tens of thousands of different uh, animals. You know, beef, pork, poultry. Um, they've got their own on-farm USDA red meat and poultry slaughterhouse. Um, again, for your listener, you, if if you're going to sell uh, meat by the cut to a, a consumer, it's got to have a USDA stamp on it. Um, there's some. There's some workarounds for that, but at a a micro scale, if you're going to be as big as White Oak, you got to have the USDA stamp, Mm -hmm. right? Which is another one of these government requirements, perturbing the market. Yep, yep. Got to control the supply side. Um, I'll tell you a quick, funny story. So early in the pandemic, you know, this is this is White Oak Pastures. They grow meat and feed their community, Uh, but they're USDA. And so early in the pandemic, it was government employees don't show up to work. You know, we got we to. Let's flatten the curve. Let's, let's, let's flatten that damn curve, y'all. Well, if you don't have a USDA inspector in your USDA plant to check the USDA box, can't you, sell any beef you, you, you're not moving any you're not moving any product today you're not you can't slaughter most of the usda regulations are around slaughter and evisceration uh pass that into the butchering side of the house you get into food safety mm-hmm. but um but the the big control uh the big lever with usda is that slaughter and evisceration uh anyway but yeah so if uh if the USDA's telling their employees that um, you're not to go to work today, then um, no food. Huh. And so, anyway, early on, I, I, I remember talking to Mr. Harris about, I you know, I had to pick up the phone and call the governor and be like, uh, not yeah. so fast, my friend. And, you know, and it happened. The, the inspectors came back to work. But, you know, it's that kind of shit that just drives you nuts right but anyway so yeah you drop a drop a white oak pastures drop a white you could probably have a dozen white oak pastures in texas man oh you could have one north of austin one south of austin again i mean what's your average family of four spend on meat a year whatever that number is multiply that by a thousand families And, you know, work backwards. Yeah. So. Well, another thing to highlight too is the topsoil
0: problem and conversations going on, like you said, by 2060, uh, a lot of studies are predicting there won't be any more topsoil and people immediately go to a state of fear and desperation. But I think that's one thing about regenerative farming that it shows that within a relatively short amount of time, you can begin to heal.
1: The soil, so well. Back to the, back to the technology piece. Like we we, we have I, it, this has been proven out. Salatin's done it. Uh, Will Harris is doing it. There's a bunch of people doing this at micro scales. But with the technology we have at our hands and disposal now, you can you can accelerate these natural systems in a very healthy way. You know, nature's nature's really good about not getting over its skis, mm-hmm. right? It it'll it'll take that accelerated impact it'll take that accelerated nurturing up to a point but then it'll it'll give you very clear signals too fast too much you know you just got to listen um here's another one marty 75% roughly of the agricultural land in uh, in this country is what's considered marginal land you know what that term means I have an idea, but I'm not exactly sure. Okay, so marginal land from an agricultural standpoint means you can't plow it. Mm. So it's either too hilly, too rocky, too this, too that. You can't plant grains on it. That's what marginal agricultural land in this country is. Well, what can you put on it?
0: Legally or physically? Like Is it just like a a government, like this is designated as marginal land, so you can't farm on it, or is it just... It's
1: it's a term.
0: Farmers recognize that we're not gonna grow here because it's marginal and it's not.
1: Well, again, back to a bunch of different factors. So look at the uh, farm subsidy system in this country and where we put most of our government dollars. It's all grain production. So why is marginal versus arable? Arable is the opposite of marginal. Arable means I can run a plow through it, it's deep soils, I can do all the things. The big difference between those is where, does where the, so where does the government point its money where it can grow the products that it promotes soy, corn, wheat, oats, right? Absolutely. Here's a funny aside. You're familiar with the food pyramid. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. They yeah. just redid it too.
1: They, they did they did frosted mini wheats are uh, apparently healthier than eggs and eggs and, and, beef. and, and beef and yeah so so um Clown,
0: it's insane that we're sitting in 2023 and they're still trying to force that food
1: period narrative down people's throats. well we're two and a half years into uh the largest uh genomic psyop experiment, uh, on the uh, PSYOP uh and, and the data's already clear and yet they're still pimping that so yeah. um you know we hold on to those sacred cows hard and fast, <laughs> right. but uh, no, this is a again. I love the intuitive side of this. So, in in a world where you have the Food and Drug Administration, okay, who writes the who writes the policy? Who writes the uh, who tells us what to eat? Where did the food pyramid come from?
0: Lobbyists.
1: Who publishes it?
0: Uh, the government,
1: right? Which which section? The USDA or the FDA? Not the Food and Drug Administration. Mm-hmm. Our healthcare policy in this country is written by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. What do we grow? Corn, wheat, soy. Yeah. So the, the people holding the keys to our nutritional guidance are also the people holding the keys to corn, wheat, and soy production. And we're really good at it. Yeah. so It's also destroying.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: Or metabolic health. Well, uh, here's another fun one. Uh, So about three quarters of the grains grown in this country are grown to feed cattle. Cattle prefer grass. They're not even biologically able to assimilate grain. Even with all their stomachs even with all those stomachs and the rumen and everything else, they don't like it. And it's, they don't, I mean, it makes them sick. It's hypercaloric. So it fattens, it fattens them up quick. Yeah. But, um, so, you know, sort of circle back around to, I think you could drop a white Oak pastures almost anywhere. Uh, I think you could drop a polyface farms almost anywhere, you know, um, the food you know again they hold the keys to the castle you want to buy a steak for me it's got to have this stamp on it and you know for the people i've know i know that um have had success if you want to call it that in sort of like a private membership association so you can sort of circumvent some of these rules yeah the amish do this in pennsylvania absolutely well and we had that case recently in pennsylvania where you know the guy with the raw milk all the things if you look
0: into that story too, it goes back to like 2016. Mm -hmm. it was like a woman who bought raw milk from this farm i forget the name of it It was in lancaster somewhere Uh, and then went back to her house in florida and died of listeria but they were never able to like directly correlate the, the milk to the listeria and she was also like 96
1: years old yeah but she's she's a poster child for you gotta you gotta pasteurize and homogenize, and I mean that's it's become a meme on Rabbit Hole Recap with Matt, Matt
0: and I. Matt said once, like it was never raw milk; it was just milk for thousands of years.
1: <laughs> well, you know, again, this back to intuition. I look at people. I'm like, if uh, raw milk were bad, none of us would be here.
0: Right? <laughs> if
1: uh, if eating meat were bad, none of us would be here eggs that's that's the best one you you look at the 40 or 50 year track record of eggs you know it's like look at the cover of time magazine over every decade it's like eat them don't eat them uh eat them but only twice can't get enough don't eat the yolks don't eat the yolks that's the favorite one don't eat the most nutritionally (laughs) dense part of this thing that is almost a perfect food like you could li- you could literally live off of eggs raw eggs oh for sure it's been a big theme here in the commons we have, oh yeah we have uh eggs, slugging
0: them down egg slonking meetings slonking yes yeah we slonk some eggs back uh back in the kitchen i appreciate
1: that marty yeah it's uh
0: no but it's hilarious you had this whole like egg white omelet movement where people are like oh you can't eat the yolks but it'll eat the whites and it's like uh, you're not getting any
1: well I'll yeah so that, that that started gaining track. you know we're again the sat- vilification of saturated fat and you know the, the most frustrating thing especially about dietary policy is um, the the cheating that Ansel Keys did mm-hmm. okay so Ansel Keys is sort of the godfather of uh, f- saturated fat vilification so he uh, did this huge meta study on a bunch of bunch of countries and then throughout the ones that didn't there there were two prevailing theories you may have covered this with your other guests but there are two prevailing theories way back when which was heart disease is caused by either sugar or fat sugar or saturated fat sugar or saturated fat and so uh th- this is all in the historical record you can pull this out you can look this up you can put put your fingers directly to all of the lobbying and paid off scientists by the sugar lobby to vilify saturated fat this is all documented um in fact it looks a whole lot like the same lobbying that big tobacco had only decades prior mm-hmm. in terms of uh, it's not that bad for you it's actually good for you and Three out of four doctors, you know, smoke smoke Newports when you're pregnant because the menthol helps with your breathing. You know, I mean, it's just you can look all this up. So, anyway, yeah. So in the 70s, 80s, you you see this massive vilification, and um, we get fat phobic fat phobic and if you take the fat out of food not fat people phobic but not fat nutritionally people. nutritionally fat. F- uh, yes dietary fat phobic dietarily fat phobic and um I, even back to the origin story of crisco you know crisco i'm a lard guy right uh when i got into this you know I, one of the things i eventually did was was sort of go down the rabbit hole of how do we how do we get here you know and um you know, the Procter Gamble story. So I had I had always assumed I had this background in sort of paleo and nutrition. You know, I pointed that what to eat, what not to eat, lens over here on skincare, right? <clears throat> and so I had always thought that seed oils and all these refined oils were the were, were naturally manifested through food. Turns out it was actually skincare uh, and soap. And Procter and Gamble, turn of the century. Uh, started started making uh, soap and candles out of uh, cottonseed oil. They figured out how to make it non-toxic-ish. <laughs> and, um, and so they, they bought a bunch of mills in Texas, ironically, and scaled up their cottonseed oil manufacturing capability. And then all of a sudden, turn, so candles and soap, candles and soap. Turn of the century, electricity comes along light bulb candle sales aren't looking so hot so they team up with the german scientists figured out how to hydrogenate this this uh cottonseed oil and convince the world that it's better for you than the preeminent predominant cooking oil of the time which was lard and beef tallow right and and tallow but lard was the go-to the lard works in mysterious ways marty and um that's funny because i have
0: uh i'm a 90s kid and i've uh very uh it's funny how like this seeped into pop culture like rugrats stew uh the dad he was a lard salesman and i didn't know that and he had a tough life because like lard was so (laughs) hard to sell it was so hard to sell um but like that was like one of like he was like uh a lard salesman that had a really tough job because lard was so um
1: i did not know that at the time i have a my, my one of my closest cousins is a uh, is sort of a antiquer mm-hmm. very very good eye gifted gifted antiquer and uh they have collected countless old lard tins and I've got pictures of upon pictures they find them everywhere. hundred and twenty pounds of lard in one vessel, right So so lard is white. Lard is the for your listeners. Lard is the rendered back slash belly ergo subcutaneous fat of a pig. and uh, so belly fat back fat we have we have effectively two types of fat in our body for people that don't understand this. subcutaneous fat. Which is belly fat, back fat. It's just under the skin, and then we have visceral fat, so uh, fat that uh, is there for padding In, internally. This is uh, kidney fat. Uh, beef tallow is rendered kidney fat from a uh, from from a bovine species. Um, but anyway, yeah, lard lard is white. Uh, Crisco is not. <laughs> they 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 bleach it or color it white because they were literally competing with lard and again I've got all these old t- I mean people that's what you did you went to the store and you bought a five gallon bucket of lard and spoon and just spoon it out pan. get after it man get after
0: it yeah there's this incredible clip of Julia Childs it's funny it's like we get back to like the food pyramid that just updated it you have Rachel Levine who's like the head of the healthcare system in the United States or the hell czar or whatever the title is looks like shit coming out and telling you like this is what you
1: freaks need to eat and there's a bunch of memes that float around I think the 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 Minister of Health in the Netherlands yeah. is like 450 pound
0: well it's like it's a whole don't believe your lying eyes <laughs> situation where you have all these unhealthy people telling you like no lucky charms are better than eggs and steak and then you go back and then going back to like the Julia Childs clip, it's an incredible clip because it was, I think it was in the 80s or early 90s when McDonald's shifted
1: their frying from beef tallow to seed oils. 94, 92, 94, somewhere there. Yeah. Hell, I grew up on McDonald's, man. Yeah. And Those she, fries are delicious. But it's
0: this clip. She's like, I'm never eating McDonald's again. Oh. They went from beef tallow to, to seed oils and the fry tastes worse. It's not as crisp as it used to be. And it's probably not as healthy. She said that as well. And like she's a preeminent chef who's been working with food, knows what good taste is, good nutrition is, and um, for some reason or another, we've just been psyoped into to cooking with these poisons that sure. are killing us.
1: Sure. Well, I mean again, back to the intuitive nature of animal fat for our skin. It's you know, I can sit here and tell you, well, it's it makes sense to me. You know, but I've, I've I've also sort of ejected myself. Uh, you know, the, the paleo journey for me was really interesting because you get behind the curtain of of looking at what's projected on the public, the food pyramid, and you know, sh- uh, sugar, fr- you know, uh, high fructose corn syrup that's mm-hmm. way better than sugar, and then artificial sweeteners are even better than that. And you just think, well, you know, intuitively, no. But anyway, sort of, you get behind the curtain and you see that, and of course now skincare—it's marketing's a powerful thing. It
0: is, and it's so ingrained. Like I think it's Slim and I have talked about this before, but it's like the marketing in a supermarket, like all the colors, like the, uh, oh. the cartoons on the, the cereal boxes, and the where things get placed in a supermarket. Makes people more likely to buy them, but then going like going back to like the trend's changing. I do think I have hope in the mothers of the world, particularly my wife. Shout out to my wife, love you, baby. She came back from uh, the grocery store last week and like cheered when she walked in the door. She's like, I got everything in our our weekly grocery run nothing, nice nothing has seed oils like their moms are beginning to come attuned to this
1: can i hit the head how yeah. does this work you're gonna hit the head all right i gotta do that okay you're okay you're hit the head i'll be re- right back yeah i'm back marnie feeling uh, relieved you know uh it's one of the things that travel really screws me up with i don't I, i've got a really good routine at home in terms of like coffee entering the body at this time yes this amount of water consumption by this time yeah the uh traveling messes me up a lot yeah i have to travel a lot i do not love it and i'm sort of an obliger by nature so i'll sit here and hold it and hold don't it don't ever feel it.
0: compelled to hold it
1: okay you gotta go you gotta go i'm holding nothing back with you today marty
0: we're talking about nature when nature calls you gotta- absolutely
1: <laughs> absolutely so nature called and I, I answered and i appreciate your uh your understanding no, it's uh, like I was telling you. We've been uh, we've been potty training, so
0: I've uh, been very intimately involved with nature's calling over the last three days. It's been a, it's been a, an experience. How old? Uh, almost three. Okay,
1: yeah, maybe a, l-
0: maybe a little late on the potty training, but we're getting there.
1: Uh, you know what I discovered with uh, with Scott? He's my, he's ten now. Uh, the best way to potty train him is just to send him to the bathroom with some young kids that are already potty trained. Let him watch. It's like, oh, I want to be like the cool kids. Yeah, the peer pressure. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's uh,
0: as it is, today's, his first day uh, at school with the potty training
1: wheels half off. So we'll see how it goes. That is exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So no gentle matter. enough for the kids, by the way. The uh, the pharaoh, the lard.
0: Oh, I want to be so, lathering him up. Yeah. Well, speaking of kids, that's what, before you hit the head, that's what I was talking about was, I'm extremely optimistic. Like a lot of the topics that we cover on this, whether it be like monetary policy, (laughs) state of global economic, um, landscape, privacy in the digital age, like it all in 2023 seems to be coalescing, coalescing in this weird dystopian nightmare, but we do have to highlight like the, the optimistic trends that exist highlight them and try to um try to hold them up and amplify them and I was right before you hit the head that's what I was saying I, was like, I think there is something naturally occurring in the mothers of the world that exist out there at least some of them that are beginning to realize like you know looking at their children I you know my wife's looking at her two boys like what the hell am I feeding you what am I mm. what am I putting in your body how's it affecting your your temper from a day-to-day experience and it's one thing my wife has taken the ball and run with like cutting seed oils out and cooking at home and trying to to make it so like the kids are eating healthy
1: yep well i mean that's you know i've got eight and ten uh daughters the eight-year-old and they're, they're a big part of the muse you know get so i took this took this lens of if you can't eat it you know if you can't pronounce it don't eat it don't eat preserved foods you know it's not good for us blah 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 blah. you take that lens and you shine it over on skincare and it's like what though i mean it's bad it's it's actually it's actually worse than food because it we don't we don't perceive that our skin eats things right so again back to this consumer protection but um but yeah i mean the mama bears mama bears are standing up and and speaking up, and you know, one of the silver linings, uh, JP Sears was one of the closing, closing deals with, the, I love JP's work. Uh, he was one of the uh, closing acts at uh, this conference I've been in town for. And he's, he's talking about like having gratitude for the World Economic Forum or having, <laughs> ha- you know, like find, finding the silver linings and all that. And, you know, one of the silver linings to all this madness the past two or three years is, um, it 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 it's woken a lot of people up, and you know again I've said, I took this lens over here in in the food world, and all of a sudden shined it on skincare. Well now, shine that same lens on big pharma. Shine that same lens on the Fed. You know, just the the list goes on and on and on. Um, people are waking up and it's harder and harder to hide the truth uh now Uh, people are dying suddenly all over the place yes due to climate change (laughs) apparently due to the cows oh yeah we're just gonna kill all the cows the cow farts are you know causing heart attacks
0: there was a, a clip that came out of the world economic forum last week i had the epiphany when i saw the clip it was i believe the ceo of siemens was telling a very a very heart-wrenching story about how his daughter said, you need to go vegan because the cows are destroying the world. And he basically went on this long rant. was like, we need to stop eating meat uh, to reduce CO2 emissions. And I had this epiphany where it's like the act of eating meat does not produce emissions. It is the front end of that supply chain, which is the cows actually living their lives. And so like, if you take that, statement like we need to stop eating meat to reduce emissions these people literally would have mass genocide all bovine creatures because they view them as the the product of these emissions and that's really what they're saying when you get to the crux of it
1: we have a saying in the south bless bless their hearts (laughs) and um you know again it's just back to what people know and what they think they know and what they've been talked into i mean you know this 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 lovely country that we inhabit had uh uh, um the records show that it had uh herds of bison uh that that would uh that would make our current domesticated bovine population look look very small minuscule hundreds of millions of of herbivorous ruminant species when you when you add in the bison and the elk and the deer um we we are at a fraction today uh the population of animals in this country that we were 500 years ago
0: and it's funny when uh people first came here and they started moving west the great frontier Mm. describe how beautiful it was the landscape how luscious it it was
1: roaming bison had something to do with it well so the fertile crescent in africa where where humanity you know effectively was born as uh, a damn desert now you know, this is again this you got to think about these silver linings like humans are destructive creatures right we're, we're really good at cutting trees down and killing off animals i mean th- we've we've advanced as a species Pretty well, we're winning, right? Well, that same that same capacity can be there's there's a there's an over application of the humans rape and pillage mindset. We also repair and build and 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 so you know what a blessing these opposable thumbs and a developed prefrontal cortex and. All the various things pigs can't sweat i love pigs but like pigs don't sweat we get to sweat which means we get to do all these other cool things uh, i'm going crazy here tangentially but um yeah there's it, it, yeah. We, we have the capacity to reverse a whole bunch of stuff agreed if, and if we just farm correctly
0: farm correctly and get out of this narrow framework that people like the US federal government and those who are speaking and leading the World Economic Forum have put people into, they give you this weird binary option of it's this way or that way. And I think that's why I like sitting down talking to people like you is like, eh, maybe it doesn't need to be either of those options. Maybe we just think differently about how we're producing food, well, how we're regenerating land using grazing cattle to to green areas like you talk about uh, the Fertile Crescent that was like probably one of the only good TED talks I've ever watched was I forget his name but he was like 2012 2013 being like hey if you want to solve climate change like we need to begin roaming herds of cattle that like, might
1: be alan savory it might have been i think it i think it, yeah 2012 sounds about right he his ted talk it, and it's one of the still to this day one of the most downloaded t- t- ted talks of all time
0: yeah and he had the be because what was so powerful about that was the pictures it's like look <laughs> this was a desert i brought in some roaming bovine
1: creatures and it greened up within a couple of years his story is so unbelievably tragic I don't know if you know his backstory, so he was basically an effective uh, African fish and wildlife kind of person, and they, they were seeing desertification, so the desert was getting bigger, and looks around, sees all these elephants, and as a young environmental protector, he draws the conclusion that it must be the elephants eating the grass that are causing this desert expansion. And so he was part of a team that came to an ultimate decision. I forget how many thousands of elephants they called, right? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. I think this was actually part of his Ted talk. Right? It, it, it was, but it's just, it's, it's, it shows the, 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 I mean, his journey is powerful because it's like, let me go do this. This is going to fix the problem. Problem got worse. Oh, and now I've got these. I think I'm man, I think it was like 10,000 elephants they called, right? So I've got the death of these 10,000 creatures on my on my resume, and it did, it got worse, yeah. And so no Alan Savory is uh, the Savory Institute, they're doing great work. They're good on him for course
0: correcting. Man. Oh, it's, hell yeah,
1: it's a rare treat. The, the ego is uh, is, is tough to right, like humble talking- pie is t- not tasty.
0: No, because sunk cost fallacy comes into play. You're like, oh no, I, I banked my career on this. Like it has to be right, and then those people try to um, find uh, data that supports the hypothesis that they put forth. A lot of that's going on right now.
1: Well, you start with, with a, what? What do we want to know? What do we want to prove? Yes. This is this is the answer we want, and then you work backwards. Yes.
0: Yeah. Individuals like Alan are able to actually be upfront and, and confront the fact that they were wrong and recognize that they were wrong and then try to course correct from there it's we need more of those humans in the world sure especially today i mean what's going on with it? it's economic policy food policy uh, the covid policy a lot of people just double triple quadruple down like no we were right
1: I really enjoy your show and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm fairly new to the, to the Bitcoin space. We, we take it now for our products online, which is really cool, but, um, I have a lot to learn. I recognize its importance. That's why we're sort of taking it, you know, leveraging it as a, as a means for, for payment. Um, but man, like getting to know you and and slim and Adam Curry and some of the other folks in the, even Odell and, um, Y- y'all say this all the time but fix the money fix the food mm-hmm. right uh, i'm going to say fix the money fix a whole bunch of stuff right, <laughs> right. like fix the skincare you know is why, why are preservatives and chemicals and um and um seed oils so prevalent in our cosmetics market well maybe it's because we make them unbelievably cheap cuz we print money and give it to farmers and You know, whether they grow good corn or bad corn or good wheat or good wheat. Uh, We do the same thing with all these petroleum. You know, there's just this system that's this fiat system that's set up to incentivize crap. Yes. Like non-efficient. I mean, hell, without farm subsidies, I don't think anyone would grow corn in this country. Yeah. Maybe like South Jersey, just because you get that sweet corn, but... Well, when I say corn, you know what I mean? Like we wouldn't, we wouldn't. And, and, you know, again, just back to the ass backwardness of the system. We spend more fossil fuels growing corn to make ethanol to put (laughs) into gas than we save in the carbon emissions from the ethanol that goes in the gas. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's a, it's a negative feedback loop of insanity. Yeah. Insanity. So. Yeah.
0: No, we have it out here, fix the money, fix the world. Yes. uh, I truly believe that people think we're crazy, uh, part of a cult. I do think a lot of this stems from perverse incentives introduced by easy money.
1: Cult's uh, short for culture, man. (laughs) They can be, you know, that's the beauty of uh, waking up a little bit. Not woke, but awake, is you understand that um, there's two sides to every pillow. You know and there's two sides to every coin and so you know it's like pigs pigs i love pigs pigs get a bad rap because they're destructive well leverage the destruction you know destruction's what the soil needs it's what the you know disturbance i we, we like to say disturbance not destruction mm-hmm. you know because there's a fine line and and um so again you know Cults are awesome. Yeah, cults are also really terrible. <laughs> so, which which side of that coin you want to be? Yeah, you gotta you gotta pick the right cult. Got it. I think I, I think I picked the right cult.
0: Then we go back to like pigs being not destructive but disturbing. Like my partner, one of my partners is standard Bitcoin. He actually owns a farm in Northern Tennessee. And the last time I was there, he was excited because they were getting uh, a mama pig and some piglets. Uh, the week after i left but it was literally just to plop them down by like the, the edges of his farm so they could run through all the brush and just clear it out.
1: It's pig, pigs are amazingly impactful to the land. And so again, you want to you want to harness that and also use it wisely, you know, if, for, for your listeners, a lot of people i know know at least what backyard chickens are like. You know, I I have a different circle than most of the world, but at my age, a lot of people can reminisce about the the chicken coop they had behind their house. And if you know anything about a chicken coop, even the one I grew up around, when you walked in the chicken coop, there was no grass. It was deadpan dirt, and you go get the eggs every day. Well, chickens are highly destructive. Mm -hmm. And if you leave them one place for very long, they're going to eat everything. And then you got a moonscape. And so even poultry production, um, animals move. They don't spend very much time in the same place. So leverage, leverage, leverage all that. Stack it all up. And... um,
0: No, that's why I think it's very important the things that you're doing, Alan Savory, Will Harris, and others in this movie is educating people um, about things that are relatively simple. Like once you understand the base concepts of this. I like, go, oh, you, you like fence cows into like a certain square to eat all the grass, they eat all of it. You move that square yep, into another one. They move to that, they eat all of it. They poop while they're eating and it adds to the soil. It's very intuitive.
1: Well, yeah. After- and, and, you know, again, back to the leverage, right? Back to using these gifts we've got. You know, in, in nature, you're looking at like a one time pass. Right. So here come the bison. They eat the grass. They pee. They poo. They move on. Well, a month and a half, two months later, that grass is back and it's ready to go again. Um, but the bison, you know, in a, in a natural setting, many times the bison have moved on. They're, 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 well they're, they're on to the next, uh, on to the next grass. So in, in our systems, again, we just, we're, we're, we're able to responsibly push the, push the gas and push the brake on ecology building. Um, that's, it's, it's truly remarkable. I mean, you know, again, measure it by topsoil, measure it by carbon content in the soil, measure it by, uh, the microbial, you know, every, every, uh, percent, every 1% increase in organic matter in the soil. Uh, you're, you're, you have an uh, increased carrying capacity per acre of water of like 22, 23,000 gallons. Holy shit. Right. Because organic matter needs water and it binds to it and it holds on to it. And so, you know, when we plow, you know, back to arable versus uh, marginal land, when we break the soil surface with a plow, we open the bare soil up to the sun. Um, you know that sun gets really hot, it kills all the organic matter you know you're you're the soils surrounding as an example will Harris we've talked about him quite a bit today the soils surrounding his farm from the peanut farmers and the soy farmers you know are averaging like half to one percent um organic matter, so you get a you know two three four inch deluge of rain over the course of a day or two it flooded out it 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 runs off that was one of the videos uh, we were talking about earlier it runs off well again think about that's that's a half inch of rain 20 i think that's right it's either an inch or a half inch of rain Twenty-two thousand acre twenty-two thousand gallons per acre i can't remember but either way it's a lot of damn water so every incremental increase in organic matter The water stays there. You can absorb it. It absorbs. Um, There's a whole new thread coming out now. I think the Meat Buffy guys just uh, interviewed a guy, or maybe they're about to, on beavers and the impact of beavers to our environment. That's a little far afield from our cows and pigs conversation, but just how we relate to the water system in this country. Um, Go back to
0: wolves. There's that famous video that's like very viral it's been around for years but reintroducing ro- wolves to Yosemite park and a completely change landscape
1: of the yep. land cuz you had forced the herbivores the elk and deer forced them to to reacquaint themselves with the natural systems which was you can eat down here to that de- right now but you better get your ass back up that hill otherwise You're getting hunted. Otherwise, you're getting hunted. And so they didn't overgraze all the lands and the grasses holding up the banks of these rivers. For your listeners that don't understand how this works, you know, uh, ruminant species, elk, deer, cows, sheep, these are all ruminant species. They graze on grass. And where's the tastiest grass grow? Right down by the riverbanks. And if there's no predator, a.k.a. wolf, to keep them from just hanging out there all damn day eating grass until the grass dies. We talked earlier about the symbiosis, right? You eat that three foot plant down to a one foot and it breaks everything off and regrows and all that. Well, if two days later you come back to that one foot, one inch tall plant and you eat a six inches off of it, you've effectively killed the plant. Mm -hmm. So overgrazing, this is the power of overgrazing. And so these wolves come into the park, the river had been you know, altered forever because the grasses have roots that hold the banks together. No grass, no roots, no banks. And so in a matter of like very short order, um, they, they started reestablishing the banks of this river because grasses were actually able to grow. Here's an even better one for you. Where's the richest grass down by the river. Mm -hmm. How do you take, how do how do nutrients, Soil nutrients cycle back uphill. Gravity ain't going to happen, right? So here's the symbiotic role of these herbivore or herbivorous species. So I I spend a little bit of time down in the valley eating the lush, nutrient dense grass. Along comes the wolves. I got to get my ass up the hill. So I'm going to eat. I'm going to head uphill. Take a dump. I'm going to take a dump and a pee at the top of the hill. So they're cycling nutrients back uphill. You know the rains come and bring those nutrients back down. You got this again clearly the circle. Of it's life. it's beautiful, man. We talked about it early on. Like we take this little snapshot of methane coming out the butthole of a cow, and all of a sudden that's a problem. We got to kill all the cows. We got to kill all the cows because they're emitting methane. Did you know that your average everyday run of the mill dozen oysters emits as much? Uh, methane into the air as carbon. Not know this. They're not. They're not protesting oysters. Rockefeller. I are hope they don't. I love oysters. Uh, oysters are. They, you I guys, did not know this. If you're though. slogging oysters with eggs, slonking. Excuse me. I always say slogging. Slog slonk. Yeah. Tomato tomato. Yeah, that's 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 some magic sauce there. Oysters raw oysters eggs. and raw eggs, just knocking them back. Yeah, that's uh, oysters are superfood. Mm-hmm.
0: And I always tell myself i'll never eat seafood more than 100 miles from the coast but even down here in central texas i i cave and eat oysters pretty, quite often
1: well again you know Faro works because we figured out the logistics you can get i again I, i'd love to see more local i'd love to be more centralized you know white oak pastures doesn't need to be shipping food to washington state right but someone in Washington State, if you really want to order Pharaoh, prom- I'll ship it to you with no regrets. But um, <laughs> <laughs> i was just going to check but, time. But um, we figured out the logistics, right? And so uh, seafood, you can get really fresh seafood I know. pretty much anywhere in the country. So. Yeah. Know, there's a little,
0: I'm used to growing up like right on the coast where it
1: comes right in. That's... My, my mom's from Mobile and so yeah, my I have fond memories of like fresh Yeah, we used to when we lived in South Carolina, I mean like in the back bays you used to just go
0: put your hand in the muck, pull out a bunch of oysters, shuck 'em, go shrimping
1: back there. Literally from the back bay to to your plate. Oh, it's it's fantastic, man. Yeah. I mean, farming's th- that same thing for me. Like, you know, there's this reverence. It's a little bit different, I think, fishing and 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 acquiring um you're not cultivating as much in in the aquatic um they're doing it with the oysters now they, like they are they are they, are they are absolutely um but there's a there's a connection that comes with raising them you know yeah. um you know I, I, people always ask like you know how can you raise this animal and then take its life and it's like you know it's hard there's a reverence. I mean, so many people are disconnected from food. Now they don't, they don't appreciate that, you know, go, go hug a damn farmer. It's, it's not fun and, and, and reward. And it's very rewarding. It's not a lot of fun mm-hmm. all the time. And, uh, but there's a reverence there, you know, our pigs, our chickens, our cows have one bad day, one bad day. And, uh, the rest of their life is full and filled and, And, and we absolutely, you know, Pharaoh is an offshoot of really honoring that sacrifice. I I mean, it's a waste product in many respects. Part of the reason being that we've moved away from animal-based oils and for cooking and various other things and moved into these, you know, cheap, ubiquitous government-sponsored fiat-supported commodities. Poisons. Yeah, I'd say, so. I, I think you're right. I mean, the seed oils literally affect people's. Oh yeah. Genetic makeup. No, it's awful.
0: It's yeah. awful. Yeah. Um, no, it's like you're respecting the animal. Right? I mean, you hear the uh, you hear the phrase like tail to nose, nose to tail. I mean, you're you're taking the the fat byproduct and making making. Oh, it's it so great. Yeah. It. Yep. So this has been a fascinating conversation um where can people find out more about pharaoh uh,
1: our website pharaoh farrow, f-a-r-r-o-w dot life is our website we've um, got an faq section everything on there the best to the best of my abilities and um we're, we're still small this is our first year in business we just rolled over 12 months and uh, things are going pretty well so thank oh, yeah. you to everyone that considers giving uh giving giving the lard cream a try
0: what what is your go-to response to so the person says i'm not putting
1: lard on my face okay okay it's, you know you're, you're, miss, you're, you're missing pusher. out bro <laughs> you know um i you know we say it uh it's our tagline the lard works in mysterious ways i you know i don't i don't know what the orange pill stuff is i'm I, i'm trying to lard pill people but uh <laughs> You know, you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. No. And so I, I I will tell you, I had a milestone this weekend before we close off. I had a first milestone this weekend. I had a woman come up to me at this conference. Susan, no last names. I don't want to out her to her friends. But she comes up and she's like, right, matter of factly, so I'm a vegan, right? And I want you to tell me about your product. And I'm like, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> and uh, for those of you that don't know what a vegan is, they don't, they're not big into the animal. They don't only not eat animal products. They, they, they not, don't wear them. They don't. They, they, yes, they, they don't. They don't contribute to the death of really, really furry, cute animals called cows, pigs, and chickens. They don't like those animals dying. They're okay with mice and snakes and birds and crickets and all these other things dying to grow soy and corn. Anyway, I sold my first pharaoh to a vegan this weekend and we hugged it out. And she loved the story and she was very excited about the honor that we show these animals because we're nose to tail. You know, I'm not going to stop eating pork. You know, and so I had pork ragu for dinner last (laughs) night. You're a wise man you're a wise man i love pigs man they're 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 my favorite farm animal i mean i love chickens i love cows pigs are like omnivorous and gregarious like everything's a potential meal and so they're always curious they're smart as hell and it's crazy like when they become undomesticated out into the wild they're physiology literally changes too it's crazy yeah it's absolutely insane they say uh so pigs are you know this is why pigs are a problem in texas so pigs uh gestation for a pig is three months three weeks and three days and so uh mama Sal can get pregnant and have three litters a year yeah and uh they've taken pigs they've taken wild pigs put them in captivity and two generations later they're domesticated they've taken domesticated pigs put them back in the wild, and a generation or two later, they're back to long hair, big fang, you know, tusks, and the whole nine yards. It's crazy. They're they're uh, an amazing species. Very dynamic. Unbelievable. You know, one could argue almost as adaptable as humans to the environment. You know, it's a a blessing for us that we're so adaptable. I think we've reached nutritionally and skin care-wise and environment. I think we've reached a tipping point with, like, We're a resilient species, but goddamn, man, we're pushing it pretty hard now. All the seed oils, all the, you know, toxins, all the BPAs, all the this, all the that, and with a shitty diet and a toxic, uh, you know, toxic environment and a fiat money. Like, we're we're at the tipping point, so. Yeah, and then you add all, like, the mental, like, the dopamine hits from
0: social media and attention spans. We, uh... I mean it does show that humans are extremely resilient as well despite the fact that we have gotten extremely fat from eating all this stuff but it does seem like people are waking up and even with the onslaught of the digital age we are adapting maybe not incredibly
1: well in most people's minds but i do have faith that we'll figure it out totally agree marty i again there's two sides to the, every coin right i technology handheld devices amazing technology and power in our hand also a place where you can waste your entire goddamn day yes looking at stuff that is designed to get you addicted to looking at it right the gatekeepers never understand as much as the developers like big food weighs no knows way more about how to get your palate addicted to stuff than big food regulators you know, big social media, big tech knows way more about how your brain works than people regulating. Now that's a revolving door more and more now. But yeah, we we're just the hyper palatability of our entire environment, media, food, skincare, you know, again, I'm still I'm still scratching the surface on understanding this. Would it surprise me that there are scientists at Clinique or any of these big, big, big cosmetics retailers that are designing chemical scents in their products that are highly addictive based on their understanding of our olfactory system and how we yeah, like how fer- our brain works of course they are they're pheromins, doing it with food
0: pheromones and stuff like Oh, no, of course yeah. so be aware freaks this stuff's going on this has been fun man thank you for having me well thank you for coming on um, such so short notice we threw this together what
1: Thursday or Friday oh man, you know, got a ready shoot aim, yeah right?
0: no, I think i I, mean, I certainly learned a lot. I hope anybody listening did as well. It's incredible story from sunburn to to skin products. yeah, man. solving your own problem. That's where some of the best products come out of.
1: absolutely. I, well listen it's 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 i uh, I've enjoyed our interactions. This is the second second time we've met in person, and we've got a bunch of mutual friends and I applaud and appreciate everything you guys are doing to again to spread messages about farming and diet and sound money and all the things man it's uh it's a team effort the, the
0: feeling is mutual thank you for doing what you're doing to educate get these products out there um yeah you can read every ingredient on on these skincare products um, oh yeah know exactly what they are you're not going to get any methane or the the, the
1: dioptra, whatever i can't even Ti- tetra blah 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 i can't pronounce it yeah no yeah now you can read this you can read it and uh, i've said from the very beginning so or er, you'll you'll appreciate this like i'm the only lard guy in town right <laughs> and so early on we were trying to figure out the branding and all of this and you know i got had a team and it was that moment where the team was like are you sure you want to like be the lard put, guy be the put, put like, like we have to put it on the ingredients, but do we have to like, do we have to tell people? I was like, we're leading with lard, (laughs) like complete transparency, embrace it. Uh, but I, what I've said from the beginning and and again, for your listeners, uh, I know you've tried it before this shit works. And the one thing I sort of hang my hat on with regards to cosmetics is how damn vain we are. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people when they find something that works, it doesn't matter. They're 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 in. Yeah. And so um, I know it works. I stand by it. Uh, we're gonna lead with lard. We're gonna beef. We're gonna talk about the pigs. We're gonna highlight how amazing they are. Uh, we're gonna hope the vegans actually come after us because no press is bad press when it comes to the stuff like that. You know, come on, bring it on. I'll have a conversation about real animal husbandry and and uh, you know. Well, it seems like you're able to turn them, so bring them on. It's, I, I, it's a good sales fun. Mon, you freaking mental, man! <laughs> Mon, you freaking mental day. I, I I was on cloud nine the rest of the day. I'd see Susan at the conference. I'd come and give her a big hug. I was like, I can't wait to hear about this from you. So oh, she'll be she'll be tweeting about it in a week.
0: Damn right, skin's never been better. Charles, it's been a pleasure. Marty, thank you. Safe travels back to Tennessee. That's all we got
1: today, freaks. Peace and love. Thank <laughs>